Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the 176th week of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. Everybody's here again, Bart, Jared, Aiden, and Wyatt. No news we missed. We're just going to jump right into our episode. If you've been following along closely, which I know you have been, we've been going through every week this offseason a different NFL team. We're going from lowest winning percentage to highest winning percentage and just giving an assessment of where they are at. Our team this week is the Tennessee Titans. After being a playoff fixture for the past few years, the Titans missed the playoffs and lost out in the division to the Ascendant Jaguars. Been some struggles there, the quarterback position, and otherwise, Jared, is it time for a full rebuild in Tennessee at this point? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, they're in a no, they're in a sort of no man's land where they have a really good coach, I think, but they don't have a great quarterback to pair with them, so they can only go so far. And actually, like overall, if you look at their season, it was it was pretty yikes. They actually had a really bad season. Like their O line was terrible last year. Quarterback obviously was injured, but didn't get any good quarterback play. Whoever played that position last year, their wide receiver room is absolutely. I'm sorry, I, I hate saying this, but their wide receiver room is terrible. There's nobody. There's like pretty much no <laughs> talent there. On top of that, so they had this because of all that third worst passing offense in the league last year. Really bad. And then finally, last year, we talked a lot about how bad the Minnesota Vikings were at pass defense. But guess who was worse? The Titans, they were literally the worst team in the league in yards allowed per game. They basically like almost weren't good at anything. Obviously, they still have Derrick Henry, but he's already showed signs of breaking down. I think it's kind of time to see what, what you can get out of that asset while it's still good, basically. Because you know that's going to run out really quickly for wide receivers. Or excuse me, <laughs> for running backs. Um Okay, and then already, too, they've had a really mixed reviews on their offseason. Um, their biggest need, obviously, was offensive tackle. So they went and signed Andre Dillard from the Eagles, but people hated that deal because a lot of people did, I should say. Because they gave him three years, three-year, $29 million contract, but he's kind of viewed as a bust right now as a first-round pick in 2019. And apparently last year he only played 37 snaps. So that's definitely a lot of money to be giving to somebody that like just hasn't consistently proven um that they're good they signed some more offensive linemen too but I, a lot of these moves are described as stop gaps like some of them the longest one i saw i think was a three-year deal and there was a, they signed a lot of one-year deals too which i think is smart because they shouldn't be going all in on trying to win any championships anytime soon um like the aj brown deal kind of killed their a lot of their offense um offensive production and obviously their wide receiver room talent i think like I think we've talked about this before. They kind of know their time is up. Um, this window's up, and it's time to rebuild. So it probably was smart that they didn't go for Aaron Rodgers. I know we, I know we like had, I had floated that earlier. But it, looking at it, it probably was smart that they didn't go for Aaron Rodgers or anything. So this is either like trade up to get Anthony Richardson territory or tank for Caleb Williams. I think. <laughs> I don't know. With, with their pick, Jackson Smith and Jigba is getting a lot of buzz, and I have just said that their wide receiver position is a need. But I don't know if that makes sense when you're like when you're going to be rebuilding. You're not going to have a quarterback for him to to throw to him. Yeah. So I think you just go offensive line with their first pick. 
that's my assessment of the Titans, though. Yeah, what would be crazy if they picked Jackson Smith and Jigba is that they traded away one of the best wide receivers in the NFL last year, <laughs> and in turn are gonna pick wide receivers in two straight first rounds, which like they didn't <laughs> need to. just like yep. the team building on that is crazy to me. I, I don't really trust the front office after this, and I know Mike Vrabel was like opposed to the AJ Brown move, but. I think it shows a a certain a certain short-sightedness on their approach that like they're going to trade away something that wasn't a need um or like they didn't need to trade away AJ Brown like nobody was like forcing them to make that move and then they're just going to waste two first round picks potentially trying to replace somebody who they already had on their team. Yeah, I don't like Rookie when contracts though. I don't but I, I just like, don't like when teams do that where they like we'll trade away a player and then we'll just draft the same player at that position. It obviously it worked out for the Vikings. I get it, where it's kind of like the win-win. Where okay, we'll trade away Stephon Diggs, but we get Justin Jefferson. I just I think it's like it's so risky to be like, well, we know something you don't, and they like to try to act smarter than they actually are. <clears throat> like Jared said, though, I think the Titans are in like currently in full rebuild mode. I said a couple episodes ago, which I think was a shock to a lot of you guys. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and they're going to be one of the teams that are going to be contending for the number one overall pick next season. So. I mean, if they go for Anthony Richardson this year, more power to you. Congratulations to the Cardinals, who might have a, a really top flight pick. But yeah, it is over. They've released their offensive line coach and a skills assistant, Eric Frazier, as well. So it's not like it's not like this is a team who's like we have all the pieces in place and now it's time to move. Um, I think you know they they've cut a lot of people. Jared, do you think they should go offensive tackle? Taylor Lewan is gone, so it, it makes a lot of sense for them to replace that piece as well. So, um, with all the cuts they made this year, Bud Dupree, Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods, and a bunch of other smaller pieces, they will have $127 million in active cap space next year, which I think will kind of go away because some of the draft pieces take up more cap space there. But they are just going to be like the Chicago Bears were this year. We're like They're going to go into next year with $99 million of cap space, and it's time to make some moves and, and, and do something for real. This is not the year. Let the Titans take it. Let the Colts make some moves and be aggressive. But you can just sit and fall back and take what you can get. I think they might have the worst quarterback room in the NFL, too. I I think that Tannehill and Malik Willis is – maybe that's being a little dramatic, but I just, like, don't really trust them at all going forward to, like, at the quarterback position either, which is why I think it should be a sort of tank for Caleb Williams type energy. Yeah, yeah, I'm just worried about them. I think their division is so bad that I'm not sure that they can adequately tank against like that that competition. You know, like the I have no idea what the Colts are going to look like. The Texans, I mean, maybe with like a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud, they'll be better, but they're still bad. The Jaguars, yeah, are definitely on the ups, um, but even they're not like a power. So it still feels like they'll be in most of the division games that they play. And so I'm not sure that they're going to be in the position to get that, like, top pick. Though, you know, it's okay if they're the fourth pick, maybe, and they don't get Caleb Williams and try <laughs> for something else. But I don't think they're going to be, like, the worst team by record, even if they're one of the worst teams by talent. Yeah. Mm. What if they just start Malik Willis every game? Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> I didn't realize he averaged, what was it? He averaged 34 passing yards a game. Yikes. So he didn't bad. throw a single touchdown and three interceptions, I think. Yeah. Say what he's you will right. about Ryan Tannehill, but like they're he's adequate 
still. <laughs> like he's not like the At, he's, yeah, he's like a top Henry. twenty-two quarterback right now. <laughs> That's not saying much. Okay. Ship to Kenny like Jared. Thirty-four. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and they could still cut him right this year if they really want to go in tank mode. I think they have until like so. June first or something to not have to pay a lot of his contract or some of his contract. So that's maybe they do trade up for Anthony Richardson and do that or draft Hendon Hooker and do that. Who knows? I like Hendon Hooker. I hope he ends up in a good situation. I know, stay in Tennessee. I don't know if it's a good situation, but he went up to... He'll be like a 49er and just ball out, I bet. Like a team with like a really good offensive <laughs> That'd be coach. nice. Yeah. That'd be really cool. <laughs> We've seen what they can do with I've, a seventh rounder, so a second rounder at QB. That'll be, that'll be crazy. He's going first it's a dynasty overall right there. I'm kidding. That's not. He's going eleventh <laughs> overall. <laughs> I forget that he's also twenty five. Like he's my age, and oh it's just God. about yeah. to get. <laughs> it's just crazy to me, but yeah, this is what it is. Um, anybody have any concluding thoughts on the Titans before we move on? I wish I had something compelling. I was looking up the strength of schedule, and uh, it's a mixed bag of whether or not. One says they have one of the hardest schedules in the league. Another one says they have one of the easiest <laughs> schedules in the league. I got nothing conclusive to give back to you. Well, the schedule—the schedule's not even out yet, though, right? Well, the opponents are. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the source I use says they have the fifth easiest based on last year's win percentages. But yeah. Take it with a grain. Is that sharp is football the, analysis? Like, is that the one? Is it? <laughs> Uh, no, it's eat, drink, and sleep football.com. <laughs> the one I found it says that they have the seventh easiest schedule, and the Texans and the Colts have the have two easier schedules right above them. So I don't know. There's an interest. Like they're always the Texans, the Colts, and the Titans are always kind of around each other on these strength of schedules. So regardless, like you said, to your point, Aiden, I think it's not like they're going to be in a dramatically different position than the rest of the teams. Where they might even split some games, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. What I will say about the Titans is that if we're, and this is I, I led into that, like I'm about to say something nice. Um, they're maybe to me at least the least interesting team right now, or the team that in terms of evaluating or like getting excited about, they might be the bottom for me. Yeah, they know. are. They're they're pretty boring right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, here That's here fair. are their opponents for next year, out of division: Seahawks, Chargers, Bengals. Panthers, Ravens, Falcons, and then uh, Browns, mm. Dolphins, Saints, Steelers, and Buccaneer. Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, there's That's a lot of easy, winnable right? games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. would say. Yeah. Tough to gauge. We got 2024 yeah, in here, that's too. Fair. <laughs> and that was from the official Titans All website, right. by the way. Okay. <laughs> Titans. Um, all right, we're going to move on to a little bit NFL draft talk. We are getting close. We're two weeks out. Um, we've done our mock draft 1.0 already. We're going to dig in to a little more in-depth coverage of it. We're going to look at some late-round gems. So each of us is going to go through and assess a late-round gem uh, that we think is going to maybe be drafted outside of round one or two, but will make a big impact on a team in the future. And Wyatt, you're up. I actually have a Notre Dame player on my list, Isaiah Foskey, who is a very talented specimen when it comes to like he's he's an incredible physical creature if you want to call it. 
264 pounds. He's a human. I don't know. I'm he's just trying to find. Baby. I'm finding. I'm finding creative words <laughs> to put in there. He was like. I think he, I saw he was six four, like two sixty, or he was two sixty three at the at the combine, and two sixty four at his pro day, which is impressive. 14 sacks or 14 tackles for loss, 11 sacks. The year before, he had six forced fumbles and around the same area when it comes to sacks and tackles for loss. He's he is physically he's one of the better prospects in the league. Technically sound, he is not. He 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 relies a lot on his physicality. He has a high motor. He's going to just going to do a lot of bull rush stuff. <laughs> Plays a lot of smush face where if he runs into a talented uh, offensive lineman, I think they are going to be able to handle him pretty easily. He does not hand fight very well, so he's going to be more of like one of those unrefined products coming in the league. However, physically, you can't teach that kind of speed. You can't teach that kind of power. Uh, he just doesn't have any bend at all. But he's a high motor guy. I mean, if you watch his tape, he goes out there, he, he does a lot of chase, he can retrace as well. He's got the speed to track down a quarterback out of the pocket or a running back on something on the outside as well. Uh, they're going to have to use him creatively early on in his career, but I'd like him physically that he can go out there and hopefully learn from a coach that says, like, we believe that in two years you're going to be one of the better ends in the league or at least a long-time starter. I believe that. Mm. Yeah. I guess it's a good try. I mean, I loved watching him at Notre Dame. He was great. Oh, yeah. Go Irish. Yeah. <laughs> go Irish. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right jared you are up next yeah i was trying since i saw Wyatt picked a notre dame ga- notre dame guy i was gonna try to go my second roots in the pac 12 but i i just went my third roots with my position so i went with a cornerback darius rush from south carolina mm-hmm. he, you probably saw him on a lot of articles he had a really good senior week game i heard didn't watch it of course had an interception and apparently showed good football instincts which are hard to teach Another thing you can't teach, speed. He went to the combine and ran a 4.36.40, which is insane. And that wasn't even, that was the fifth fastest, tied for the fifth fastest, which is crazy. Really fast position group. Still elite, though, faster than guys like Christian Gonzalez, for example. PFF had him as the, through November, this is the latest I could find, second best SEC cornerback throughout the year. But he was the, he was like the CB2 at South Carolina, which is part of the reason why he's not super high in the rankings like he's the, he's ranked as the 17th best corner by pff 101st overall player but he's also been described as gritty and tough a good tackler like somebody willing to get his nose dirty and all that sort of stuff too he's a, he's a lunch bell guy so you got to root for that uh and he plays corner so i like that darius rush out of south carolina all right bart who is your late round gem for the nfl draft i'm here to hype up Tank the Howitzer Dell. I'm kidding. Nobody calls him that. Actually, definitely nobody calls him that because he's tiny. <laughs> I'll get. I'll get to that though. Um, why am I a fan of him? Well, actually, first of all, let me just explain that. From from what I saw, I saw people taking him like in the third round. Some people have him mocked on day three, so around four or later. Um, he's kind of all over the place. PFF has him as the sixth best receiver, so I don't really know. But it seems like generally he's he's going to slide a bit. I'm a fan of him because production over everything. Baby, mm. <laughs> who led the country in yards last year? Nate Tank, the Howitzer Dell did. <laughs> Sorry, who led the country in touchdowns? He did 17. Who led the country in receptions? He actually didn't, but he was second. 
Um, so he was just excellent for Houston last year. He's apparently a terrific route runner. I watched some highlights, and it's kind of like crazy just how like how hard it is for cornerbacks to get their hands on him. Um, and he's also just got excellent speed. He ran a four four nine. He's shifty, and he's also potentially usable as a running back, kind of in a Debo role. And he's also a punt returner. Um, so he's versatile. The reason people are knocking him is because of his size. Like I said, he's tiny. He's five foot eight, one hundred sixty five pounds. So mm. that'll be interesting. But he didn't really have too many injury issues at Houston. Um, and like I assume when you get into the NFL and you get the NFL training regimen and diet, you will bulk up a little bit. So I'm not super worried about that. Small receivers are rare, but they aren't like completely unheard of. So I like uh, I like the odds for Tank Dell out of Houston. All right, Tank. It's a good one. <laughs> well, and with the, with that, uh, at 58165, do we think Wyatt could beat him in a fight? That's, that's <laughs> I got too much respect. It's <laughs> always the question. <laughs> See, corners can't get their hands on him. I don't think Wyatt can. <laughs> that's fair. All right, Aiden, you're up. I'm going with Dwayne McBride, a running back from the University of Alabama. Pause. Birmingham. Um, but <laughs> last year he rushed for 1,700 yards on 233 carries with 19 touchdowns. Uh, was 7.4 yards per carry was the best of any rusher with more than 100 carries. He was the only D1 guy, or the only D1 guy with more yards than him, did it on 112 more t- uh, more carries. So, and he was dominant over the course of his career. You know, over three seasons, he averaged 7.3 yards per carry. He's just a dominant runner. Um, and there are things he has to shore up. You know, he fumbled 11 times over the last two years. He needs to improve as a blocker. He also had just five receptions in three years, which is impressively unproductive there. Um, but if you're if you're getting seven yards per carry, why why even pass, right? So as a pure runner, I think he'll translate pretty well to the NFL. He's got NFL running back size. He's 5'10", 210 pounds. Um, he runs with power, takes contact well, drives piles. Um, he doesn't have like you know game-breaking speed, but a lot of running backs these days don't. I feel like so he's elusive. He finds his way through tight openings, that kind of thing, and he has a lot of balance. So I saw a bunch of highlights of plays that looked like he wasn't going anywhere and just made something out of nothing. Um, so I think he's kind of an intriguing mid to late round prospect, especially given that running backs. I feel like it's I don't know. You might as well. A lot of times the first rounders, I feel like, don't end up being that much better than the, the guys you'd get in the third or fourth round. So, yeah. All right, well, speaking of running backs uh, that you might get in the third or fourth round, uh, my late round gem is also running back. Um, maybe not quite as far as down draft boards as Mr. McBride, but Sean Tucker from Syracuse is my late round gem. He's gotten much less hype than there's sort of a big three of running backs at this point. B. John Robinson from Texas, mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, and Jack, Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Tucker is sort of outside of that, but I think he can make some real noise on whatever team that he lands on. Um, 2021 was his breakout year. He had over 1,500 total yards that season. Regressed a little bit to 1,000 last year, but he still has all the intangibles to be a great running back in the NFL. Great power, super explosive, great at cutting, and a decent and improving receiver whose numbers um, sort of indicated that over the course of his college career. I think part of the reason why his stock has been hurt a little bit is that he didn't participate at the Combine. Um, Maybe just sort of seeing that, like, his stock is what it is for I get drafted. For running backs, it really doesn't matter as much where you get drafted. Um, because, as we mentioned, you can have as much success with the first-round guy as a fifth-round guy pretty easily at this point. And I think his biggest downsides are more easily fixed than others. 
He has below average vision and runs kind of hesitant, but, you know, get him some glasses um, or just like, or just like, I think like that's something, a skill you can learn more, running hesitant, being more confident in your cuts when you make them. And apparently he also tries to bounce it outside and get cute and he needs to get downhill more. Again, that's something that can be taught. So I think he's all the intangibles, the power, the explosiveness that you want in a good running back. Well, he might not be like a lead back right out the gate. I think within a few years, you could see him making some noise. So, Sean Tucker is my NFL late round gem. Just needs LASIK. That's all. <laughs> exactly. Just like Jameis. <laughs> Just like Jameis. <laughs> huh. All right. We're going to finish up our draft talk today with just a couple a couple superlatives um, to sort of, you know, get us looking forward. Who do you think is most likely to be the biggest bust in this NFL draft? What about any of the Clemson defenders who come out of this draft? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they might have been like their defense is was good. I don't know if they're any like that good where any guy on that team is a first round pick right now. Um, so like Miles Murphy, Brian Breesy, uh, Trent Simpson, who's not projected to be a first round pick, but maybe like a day two, like first or second round pick as well. Could possibly be just leave a little bit to be desired, kind of boosted up from an ACC schedule. Um, and, and we know that for a team that good defensively, sure did not play so well um, as a college team. So I think that there's a chance that a team might be pretty disappointed with what they get out of insert Clemson player's name here. Yeah. I feel like uh, something I saw a lot of is just like that general genre, just like Miles Murphy of defenders who are very physically intimidating but might need coaching more. So like another one is like Lucas Van Ness, right? The guy who like dominated the combine. I feel like you, you can't ever be certain that the like super athletic guys will actually take to coaching and end up being good. So players like that I also am always a little hesitant about. Yeah, I've seen Lucas Van Ness mock to the Eagles a lot, and though he has a great first name, I don't, I don't really want to <laughs> take him there just because he seems like, like he just seems like somebody who like is really boomer bust in terms of how he turns out. So, yeah, I mean, I think the low hanging fruit on this one too is either Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Like, I think one of those two guys will be a bust. I don't know <laughs> if both of them will be, but I am fairly confident that at least. One of the yep. two will be. I've seen a lot of drafts recently mocking Richardson at number one recently too. Like that's crazy. A lot, a lot. Yeah, I heard that Frank so, Reich is high on him, right, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So crazy. Huh. All right. Next superlative. Anybody we think is gonna most likely to rocket up the draft board um, before the between now and the combine. Or between now and the draft, sorry. What about just any of the tackles? I feel like when we did our mock drafts, I was like, there's no way that many tackles go. I was looking mm-hmm. at a couple other mock drafts, and it's like Broderick Jones is being, he was projected in, in one of the ones I saw that the Packers might, or excuse me, the Jets might get him at 13. Uh, Darnell Wright, the right tackle from Tennessee. Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Like, there are so many. We know that number one and number two is Paris Johnson and Peter Scrouncy in whatever order you have. And then three, four, and five are kind of murky. But the fact that there might be five tackles that go in the first round to me feels wild. And same with the tight ends. Like, I think people are trying to find a way to mock these tight ends into the first round. I don't know if 
three tight ends are going in the first round as well. So it's like, like I know that um, Michael Myers is, is a highly coveted prospect, but I don't know if Dalton Kincaid is also going to go in the first round. And then same with the Oregon State tight end as well. The um, I think Luke Hargrave, like, I don't know. I don't I know. I saw some mocks taking Kincaid before Mayer, which I thought was so, but surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's surprising. Darnell Washington, who I literally is the third tight end in this mm-hmm. mock draft that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. But there's going to be a position, and it's going to be between tight end, tackle, and corner, where like five guys get taken at that position. We know that quarterbacks are going to get, get taken this year, at least four, yeah. right? But – one of these other positions are going to get a crazy injection of draft hype right before that validate the that the teams will use to validate their stupid draft pick of picking the sixth best <laughs> offensive tackle in the first round because they felt like it. Looking at you, Raiders. <laughs> the classic Raiders pick. Huh. All right, last superlative before we wrap up today. What team is most likely to make a draft day trade? I think the Commanders. I think they're they're a, hung, a quarterback hungry team that's been quarterback hungry for a really long time too. I could definitely see them <laughs> trading up. Mm-hmm. The only reason, I mean, isn't the only reason you trade up to draft a quarterback? I don't know. Do you do you trade up to draft another position? <laughs> Doesn't happen that often. I don't know. I, I guess yeah. I, I can see the Eagles making a move like they did last year for AJ Brown, where they trade that ten pick for like okay, yeah, you're right. some sort of yeah. Lead. I could also see a team that's like, or it's always kind of desperate teams, right? Yeah which a lot mm-hmm. of times they're desperate for a QB. But I could see, I feel like the Bills could be desperate for more, for, you know, they had a disappointing year and might trade up to try to get a receiver or try to get Bijan if they think he's going to go, or even try to get one of the tight ends that I was talking about. Like, I feel like they have a reason to feel like their window's closing and trade up for that reason. And you know what? For similar reasons, I think the Vikings are kind of in that same boat where it's like, yep. we have yep. Kirk... We have Justin Jefferson. We might as well go and get somebody because, like, they're not looking for necessarily the. An, 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 they, I mean, they might not be a new quarterback in this year's draft. They could try to move, and uh, somebody was saying that Anthony Richardson could be the pick, and he plays a year behind Kirk, and then they move on next year. Um, and they're not looking to add like a, an injection offensive talent because they have a bunch of offensive talent. There's a chance that they decide that they like are either going to be really aggressive for next year, so that way they're competitive. Or add, like, if Jalen Carter falls to nine, like, maybe we go and get him. You know, yeah. something like that. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. If you enjoyed it, um, even if you didn't, please download this episode. It really helps support the channel. Give us a five-star review on whatever plat- podcast platform you listen. And give us a follow as well on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at lunchpailguys underscore. Thank you. Just download it. <laughs> There's still something you can do if you didn't like this episode. <laughs>